I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Emphatic. Nothing personal word of the day for October 29th otherwise known as the second day of the baseball offseason. Could have been the first day if there had been a Game 7. How happy, Coca, how happy is Major League Baseball that there was no Game 7? Because there wouldn't have been a Game 7 today anyway or yesterday because of the Justin Turner positive COVID ID test. They would have had to delay. They couldn't have played it tonight because there's a football game on Fox tonight. Would have been delayed several days emphatic. Such a great word. What's the word? Is it onomatopoeia when a word is exactly defined to be what it sounds like? Emphatic. What am I talking about? Well, we said yesterday on Nothing Personal that Major League Baseball would have to talk. We're going to need some answers and we're going to need them now. So they got together in the offices of Major League Baseball, when you're in Texas the way they were for the bubble, for the LCS, and for uh, the World Series, what happens is part of the deal when MLB goes on the road and they do a jewel event, whether it's an all-star game or a World Series or a World Baseball Classic, they send out bids to hotels because they need hotels for the teams to stay at. They need hotels for the executives to stay at, for the employees of Major League Baseball. And one of the things that hotels have to provide are a bunch of meeting rooms where the media can work, where the commissioner is. They have a certain number of suites where the commissioner's employees can work. They have all this big IT set up. So all I could picture after the World Series is they went back to the hotel in Arlington and they went to their rooms and they said, all right, we're going to need a statement. So they waited, they perfected it, and yesterday, as predicted, they came out with a rather laborious statement. And they started it in a way that when we used to start statements with the following sentence, it means that we really don't want to talk about this, but we have to, and we don't want to answer questions, so we're just going to do a statement. They started it by saying, in response to inquiries. That's not a quote. That's just a, an unquoted phrase to start a statement, which is meant to say, don't call for follow-up. We're not giving one-on-one interviews about this. We're not making anyone available. This is our response to all of your inquiries. Major League Baseball issued the following statement regarding Justin Turner, and I quote, Immediately upon receiving notice from the laboratory of a positive test, protocols were triggered, leading to the removal of Justin Turner from last night's game, meaning game six. Well, I take issue with that because it wasn't immediately upon receiving notice. What actually happened, as I can picture, is 
They got the results back. They saw that Justin Turner was positive and they had 20 seconds of absolute mind numbing paralysis. Holy crikeys. What do we do? We got to pull them from the game, right? Well, we got to call the union. We have to tell them, wait, are we going to pull them right now? Do we stop the game? Do we find out who Justin Turner is with and do we pull them from the game? Can we confirm that everyone else tested negative? So it wasn't exactly immediately because there are rumors that they heard in the second inning and he didn't get removed till the eighth. But in any case, Turner was placed into isolation for the safety of those around him. We're going to get back to that sentence. However, following the Dodgers victory, it is clear that Turner chose to disregard the agreed upon joint protocols and the instructions he was given regarding the safety and protection of others. Let's talk about that sentence. Of course, it's clear that Turner chose to disregard the joint protocols, but it's not exactly clear what the joint protocols were for an in-game positive test. We did not see once during the regular season a player being pulled from a game for a positive test. What we did see was a game not being played when there was an inconclusive followed by a positive test of one of the players. We saw that after the Marlins played with positive tests and just not with the players who tested positive, but that turned out to be not such a good idea. So we know that Turner disregarded the protocols. No, we don't. What we do know is that Turner was not actually isolated. While a desire, MLB continued, to celebrate is understandable. Turner's decision to leave isolation and enter the field was wrong and put everyone he came in contact with at risk. When MLB security raised the matter of being on the field with Turner, he emphatically refused to comply. So let's say how this went. Justin Turner gets pulled from the game in the eighth inning. He goes to a private room and in a clubhouse, there are all sorts of different rooms. So it's easy to find a room in a clubhouse. They put him in the room. I guarantee you there was a TV in the room they put him in. He's watching Julio Urias get through the eighth inning, get through the ninth inning, all of a sudden rushing the field, celebrating. There's going to be a trophy presentation. Corey Seager is going to be giving the MVP trophy. There's going to be a team photo. And Justin Turner said to himself, he took his pulse. He put his fingers to his throat. He said, all right, I'm okay. He took his temperature by putting his hand on his forehead. Maybe a possible anal probe. He said, I have no symptoms. I feel great. I'm not sitting in this room. I'm going to go be with my team. MLB security said, you can't leave the room. And he said, See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. The conversation that happened with MLB security was really, really fast. What are they going to do? Handcuff him? What are they going to do? Lock the door from the outside and keep him falsely imprisoned? There's not one thing MLB security could do other than say, it would be really smart of you not to go on the field. Well, I've been there after a World Series and after winning a World Series, you're not really thinking in those terms. You're not thinking about suspensions or punishments. 
You're not thinking about anything other than champagne, cigars, rings, your coaching staff coaching the All-Star game the following season, the legacy that you finally won a title after being shoved away by the New York Mets, winning that division seven years in a row, and then finally breaking through and winning your first World Series. That's the only thing you're thinking about. Emphatic? Let's see how that would go. I'm going on the field. No, you're not. I'm going on the field. No, you're not. I am on my way to the field. You better stop right there in the name of love. I'm still going. Stop right now. I'm not stopping. Was that emphatic? Maybe it went this way. Hey, I really want to go on the field and celebrate. Do you guys mind? Well, we really don't think that's a good idea. Now, come on. Please, please let me celebrate. I want to be with my team. That's not emphatic. That's like begging. What about this? Um, Justin, you know that you tested positive and you're going to have to just pass on the celebration. Congratulations. If you're the MVP, we'll find a way to do the presentation to you. But we're going to make sure you're not the MVP because your teammate in the two hole, Corey Seager, he's going to win it anyway. And we're going to call it unanimous. So there was never a doubt Never a doubt that it could have been you, the COVID guy. Yeah, but look what those guys are doing. They're all hugging each other. I'll wear a mask, I promise. That's not emphatic. Maybe he went the other way. Get out of my goddamn way. That's emphatic. Move aside, I'm getting out there. That could be emphatic. He emphatically refused to comply. And then comes the money sentence in the commissioner's statement. The commissioner's office is beginning a full investigation. So when you are investigating something, please, when you give an interview about an investigation you're doing, every sports team does this. Every league does it. Every company does it. Are you going to do a partial investigation? I am going to begin a one-eighth investigation. The other seven-eighths, we'll see what happens, but I don't care. We've sat down and we have made the decision together with the union that we are going to do a three-quarters investigation because we don't want to know what's in the other quarter. You don't need to say a full investigation. Just say the commissioner's office is beginning an investigation. We will consult with the Players Association within the parameters of the Joint 2020 Operations Manual. Do you remember the 2020 Operations Manual? That thing that happened when they were doing the restart, that 116-page Tolstoy's War and Peace volume that said everything they couldn't do, including ordering out from Mickey D's? Well, part of that, operations manual talks about player discipline and what are the results of violating protocol. They then went on in this long three paragraph statement after the full entire 100% investigation and said, the reason you just heard that little cough is that my mute button is so far away. This is what I would have to do to grab it. Okay, hold on. Watch this. Did everyone hear that? I had to reach over. I think I just pulled a hamstring, and I think my shoulder just came out of the socket like Cody Bellinger. 
Last night, the statement says, nasal swabs were conducted on the Dodgers traveling party. Sort of like security when you're getting on the team plane. Before 9-11, there was no security. 9-11-01, you just got on the team plane. After 9-11, there was major security on the team planes. Everyone had to get uh, swabbed. And, and uh, what's that thing Coca called? Oh, my God, I'm totally blanking. Uh, wanded. You have to get wanded. Now what they do is it's just random. If your name is chosen and I made sure my name was never chosen, you had to get extra security before you got on the team plane. So I'm just picturing as they are in the clubhouse, they've got champagne, they've got goggles, even though they said no alcohol. Who do you want to bet? So they're celebrating. It smells like stale champagne and cheap champagne. They're taking pictures with the trophies. They're hugging each other. They're making memories. All of a sudden, in comes the testing people with Q-tips the size of John Holmes. They go right up the nose. We're doing the nasal swabs conducted on the whole traveling party. Both the Rays and Dodgers were tested again today and their travel back to their home cities will be determined after being approved by the appropriate authorities. So that's another sort of thing in a statement. People use that. It's a, it's a very good cover up, right? The appropriate authorities. Who exactly are the appropriate authorities? Is it like Fauci? Is it the pilot? Do they check the weather? So what are they going to do with Justin Turner, who is a free agent right now? He is no longer signed to a contract with the Dodgers. He's turning double high, 36 years old. He's going to be fined. The Dodgers are going to be fined. Look at what the NFL did when the coaches wore the, uh, the chin diaper, when they wouldn't wear their mask and the coaches were fined 250K, but they also fined the team. Maybe the coaches were fined 100 grand and the teams were fined 250 grand. You're going to see that again clear as day. I'm going to make that my way to see actually, Coca. Let's do that officially. Wait to see is when I say something's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, I'll admit it. If it does happen, I will tell you what happened. I had to wait to see yesterday that the Dodgers would not be flying home on Wednesday after the World Series. That was my wait to see. I didn't think there was any chance they'd let the Dodgers fly home because they were going to wait for test results. Well, it turns out they did test them. Apparently, everyone tested negative. Surprise, surprise. What's the other word of the day it could be, Coca? Incubation period. Does that mean that none of the Dodgers are going to test positive? Doesn't matter to us. We're in the offseason now. Let's get back the negative tests immediately. Cross our fingers. Get them on the plane. Get them home. See you later. N-O-P. Not our problem. So my way to see from yesterday ended up being wrong. I told you on October 19th when I said the Rays were going to win in seven. That's wrong. I said on October 26th, the Rays were going to win game six and force a game seven. That was wrong. That's three wrong wait to sees in a row. Well, at least ones that have been taken care of. In any case, I think that the full investigation, what do you, by the way, you know what I just thought of, Coca? <laughs> Here's what they're actually going to investigate. Not whether he emphatically decided to take the field and emphatically decided to ignore MLB security, the Players Association, and the commissioner's office and representatives therein of. What they're going to try to investigate is what happened to the bubble. How did a player test positive after two straight months of no positive tests in baseball? They were on the cusp of brilliance, of success, and it all went to crap. 
hell in a handbasket because of one positive test and you know what happens. They've got to find out why they need an explanation. Is it Clevenger? Did they get Clevengered? Did Justin Turner leave the hotel? Seems hard to believe they had security in the lobby. Maybe he snuck out like JFK out of the back entrance. That could have happened. Unlikely. They'll investigate. Did anyone come into the hotel and maybe go to Justin Turner's room? Did anyone in his family? Did he order takeout from Popeye's? What happened? The answer is they can do a full investigation and they will never find out exactly how Justin Turner tested positive for COVID. You can't find out. You could say there's a super spreader event that took place. He went to a rally. Maybe. Maybe the super spreader event is what happened on the field after the World Series. Wait to see. That's nah, not a real wait to see. They're going to go through and then they will do an announcement. And they will release the results of their full investigation, which is going to find nothing. And they're going to say something that it found because they need to provide answers. Why do they need to provide answers? Because they need to respond to inquiries. And then they're going to find Turner, find the Dodgers, which will suck for the Dodgers because Turner won't even be on the team. Although I think the Dodgers are going to re-sign Turner. They got a bunch of free agents. No one of great consequence. Kike Hernandez, Alex Wood, Jake McGee, I think, is a free agent for them. Pedro Baez, Blake Trinan. I think they may sign Turner. I think, do you remember how the Nationals won the World Series last year, which seems like 20 years ago, and they brought back Ryan Zimmerman to play this year, even though Ryan Zimmerman then opted out, and they did it totally based on emotion, totally because they wanted to bring it all back and see if they could do it again. I think that's how Turner gets signed. So I conclude this by telling you that uh, there was nothing emphatic about what Justin Turner did. It was simply selfishness. MLB is doing the investigation, as we said, and after responding to all inquiries and being full from eating so much, they will discover that there's nothing they can do. Okay, when we come back from break, we're going to review an unbelievable TV series that stars Jason Sudeikis. And we're also going to talk about the NBA because quite a few things happened yesterday in the NBA that are worth noting, both on the court, off the court, and in the front office. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. I take your suggestions. I love when you tell me to watch a movie or to watch a TV series. Unfortunately, all of you subscribe to different streaming services. So you force me to take all of the streaming services. I am now a card-carrying member of Apple TV+. I did it because I needed to watch On the Rocks, which I'll review sometime next week. But I was also told to watch a series called Ted Lasso, starring Jason Sudeikis. Ted Lasso is about a football coach who gets hired by Margaret Witten to coach a soccer team, a football team, called AFC Richmond in London. Jason Sudeikis is Ted Lasso moves to London and he coaches a soccer team with zero experience coaching soccer. Now, Coca, you may not have gotten that joke because I may have screwed it up, so we need to rewind a little bit. There was a movie called Major League, great baseball movie, and in that movie, there is a female owner of the Cleveland Indians who's trying to tank because she wants to move the team to Florida, ironically. And I believe the actress who plays the owner is named Margaret Witten, or that's the character name, or I'm wrong in every way. And I dropped the name Margaret Witten because I wanted to explain to you, that's what Ted Lasso's about. There is a woman whose husband divorced her. Part of the divorce is that she got the team. It's an actress played No, Coca, Hannah Waitingham is the actress in Ted Lasso. I'm talking about who played the owner in uh, for the Indians in Major League. That was the joke of it. In any case. So she owns the team. She wants the team to lose. This is what Coca does on a random Thursday because he's grumpy. So our pregame meeting went terribly. He's in a terrible mood, which happens, and I get it. And he doesn't let it interrupt his producing for the most part. But what it does is it impacts his ability to think something's funny. So what he does is he'll yell in my ear and type on the document. You're not funny. Move on. Rap. You're terrible. You're old. And he does it all in capital letters and with a raised tone of voice as though that's going to stop me. I thought that was very clever and funny. Go screw yourself. You know what, Coco? We're about to have our first fight. You've got to snap out of it. Okay, Ted Lasso, 10 episodes, half hour. It's got heart. It's got feeling. It's got humor. It has what could be an Emmy Award performance by Jason Sudeikis. It is not a new story. It is a fish out of water story. It is a let's make fun of London where I almost get run over because I don't look right and I look left. It's got 
a woman who sleeps with a bunch of players but ends up being smart anyway. It's got the feel-good story where the crappy team ends up being not crappy, or maybe they are crappy. It's got old players who are no longer good, young players who are really good. It's got everything. It took me two days only to get through the 10 episodes, and I ask you, please, to watch Ted Lasso. You will not be sorry, I assure you. I wish I could talk more about it. I, 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 um, there's a great soundtrack. You, I, I actually shed some tears. My eyes welled up. I laughed out loud. Jason Sudeikis has Ted Lasso plays this. He's a very positive character um, to the point of you, you may think that you'd get annoyed by him, but in fact, you don't get annoyed by him because there's something so genuine about him. And it's based on a commercial that Jason Sudeikis did for another network, and they just made it an entire TV show. I loved it. Okay. I got to talk NBA for a few minutes. Something happened yesterday that, that blew my mind. I tweeted about it, but I didn't give it enough attention on Twitter. Do you remember Daryl Morey, the China guy who tweeted in favor of Hong Kong? saying that he understood why they were protesting. And then the NBA lost a couple hundred mil. And we said that the Rockets were going to fire him, but he stepped aside from the Rockets, but it really wasn't stepping aside. It was really him being fired. Well, something happened that I did not expect. I didn't see it coming. Sports still surprises me. Earlier this offseason in the NBA, which hasn't lasted long, I think the Lakers won the title, what was it, a week ago, maybe? Maybe it was more. I think the Lakers won by October 11th or something. Is it really that long? Anyway, can't remember. Date and times mean nothing to me these days. The Philadelphia 76ers hired Doc Rivers to be their coach. Remember on Nothing Personal, we said that Doc Rivers was uh, the coach of the Clippers. He was fired by Steve Ballmer, and we knew he'd get a job immediately, and he did. The Rockets... uh, uh, fired Maury, the Sixers hire Doc Rivers. The Sixers are owned by the guys who tried to buy the Mets, Josh Harris and David Blitzer. The Sixers are the team where you trusted the process, but you shouldn't trust it because it didn't work, but maybe it did because they made the playoffs. Maybe they shouldn't have signed Horford, but they did. Maybe Embiid and Simmons can't play together. Maybe Simmons can't shoot. Maybe they don't have the right chemistry. Maybe they don't have the right coach, so they got rid of Brent Brown. All of these things happened. They bring in Doc Rivers, and I said, that's that's an interesting match. It's going to be interesting because Doc Rivers is going to have to work with Elton Brand, who's the GM of the Sixers, and they're going to have to find a way to coexist because Doc Rivers enjoys the power of being a pseudo-GM as well as a head coach. So I thought that was the end of the Sixers news until yesterday when word came out that Daryl Morey is signing a five-year deal to be the president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I assumed that that was a rumor that couldn't be true. Why is it that the Sixers felt they needed to bring in someone above Elton Brand, two levels above Doc Rivers, when they just hired a coach who would prefer not to have one person above him forget to? When you're a team where you're owned by guys who very much enjoy being involved in the process, not like to the level of Cuban, but they do like to be involved in the process. I don't like when companies who are failures decide they're going to add management layers 
as a way to cure what ails them. When you add management layers to your company, you're actually adding inefficiency. You're actually making it more difficult to maximize your production. When you add Daryl Morey, you're talking about next level, next level involvement, next level micromanagement, next level scrutiny because of what happened with China. And you're marrying him to Elton Brand, which by definition is a mistake. When you bring in a president of basketball operations, they want their own GM. They want their own head coach. They did it backwards. Day backwards like it's. How can it work when you do it that way? The Sixers ownership said to themselves, may not work. But the only thing I can tell you is that the market inefficiencies that we see in our hedge fund, we know how to handle those. The market inefficiencies that we see on the basketball court, we are without a clue. So we're going to bring in as many people as we can, marry them as though they had been fixed up in love is blind, and then see if they can do better than what we had. They gave a five-year deal to Daryl Morey under the theory of wait to see. I love doing that. I've done that. Sign managers to four-year deals, sign players to 13-year deals, and it's all a big wait to see. Anytime you make a financial commitment to anyone, it's a wait to see. If you do it to someone from the outside, it's why promoting from within is always better because you know. You know that expression, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't? The grass is not always greener on the other side. Frankly, when you get to the other side, it can be just as brown. I will say now, Coco, what was the Sixers record last year? What seed were they? I want to say they were, did they have home? I mean, it was, oh, it was the abbreviated season. I forgot it was the COVID season. But the Sixers, I don't think they made it. They lost to the Toronto Blue Jays the year before when Kawhi Leonard made that unbelievable shot. And that was in the conference finals, I believe. And I think they only made it to the semifinals this past season. I don't know if I'm right or wrong about that, but let's just assume that they made it to the conference semifinals. They were swept by the Celtics in the first round. There you go. Thank you, Coca. They did not make it to the conference semis. They didn't make it out of the first round. All right. I was going to give a wait to see about the Sixers that they're going to do worse, but they're not. You can't do worse than being swept in the first round unless you say they're not going to make the playoffs. And in the NBA, everybody makes the playoffs. So here's a bonus long-term wait to see on the assumption that CBS makes Coca happy come February or January or December or tomorrow. The bonus wait to see is that the Sixers will do better than being swept in the first round, but they will not get out of the first round. They'll lose in five, six, or seven games. I think that when you're so heavy at the top, it's going to cost you. But will they be heavy at the top on the court? That is a question that is plaguing every single NBA team. And there is word yesterday 
Did you like that segue, Coca? I thought that was semi-smooth, actually. There was word yesterday that NBA revenue year over year was down 10%. I want to discuss the implications of that and why that is such a nightmare for the NBA. So I want to give you some specifics. And the reason I want to give you specifics on that is I feel as though it's important for you to understand why the NBA is in the pickle that it is in. Now, I'm having total difficulties giving you specifics because I'm trying to get to the numbers that I'd written down and it is not letting me do it. And here we go. I now did it. Okay. NBA is claiming that they had an $800 million loss in gate receipts last season. They are claiming a $400 million loss in sponsorship and merchandise. That's $1.2 billion. They are including in that a $200 million loss, which they call their net negative impact from the China issue. They also had to spend an unbelievable amount of money to put the bubble together. Remember the bubble they did in Orlando? Well, none of that was free, as you know. Uh, They spent over $100 million putting that bubble together. What does all of this mean? What this means is that the salary cap for next season is going to go down. By the way, the bubble expenses were 190 million. I'm sorry, not 100, 190 million. They also announced that they got 1.5 billion back in revenue and that's not from ticket sales because there were no fans. That's from the national broadcast revenue they got by actually holding the entire playoff round. That is the revenue they're talking about. So what happens is in the NBA, every single year, the salary cap has gone up. And when you are planning your team, you sign players to deals, knowing where you will stand within luxury tax thresholds and knowing how to plan your team. But what's going to happen is that according to this loss of revenue and the calculation that goes into next year's salary cap, the salary cap of baseball of basketball was going to fall by $19 million from 109 million to 90 million. How do you plan when there's nothing you can do except go to your owner in a complete panic because you're over the luxury tax threshold, which you promised the owner you would never be. And by releasing a player, you can't get under the tax under the cap because it's still a cap hit. You can't find someone to trade with because no other teams are taking on money anyway. So what basketball is trying to do as the owners negotiate with the players is they're trying to come to a deal where the salary cap ends up being next year what it was this year. They want to falsely raise the salary cap. But what they're not going to tell you is by falsely raising the salary cap, That will lead to increased losses by the owners, and they are a no to that. So they're going to make the players pay for that. How? One of three ways. One, they are going to make sure that they escrow a certain amount of players' salaries, which means they don't pay the players. If a player is making $10 million, 
for a year. They'll pay the player $7 million, keep $3 million in an escrow, and wait to see what happens with league revenues and whether or not there are fans in the stands, how league revenues go, not just this season, but next season and the season after. Players have to agree to that. The second thing they can possibly do is they can choose to not sign any free agents and make sure that they're under the cap but above the floor when most teams spend to the cap. The third thing they can do is say, you know what? We're going to cancel the entire collective bargaining agreement. Just forget it. We're opting out of it. There is a window that's coming up where either the union or the league can wipe out the current collective bargaining agreement and start all over. That's what we call in sports and in business as the nuclear scenario. The nuclear scenario is when everybody dies, like in war games with Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy, where the best way is not to play because once someone sends off a nuclear bomb, then someone else sends off a nuclear bomb. And what's the use of living when you're dead? And what's the use of living in a world where you're only eating canned peas? Doesn't seem worth it to me. They're not going to do that. What is more realistic is there will be a deal negotiated between the NBA and the NBA players where the salary cap will be artificially increased. The players will take the hit over a period of years. But the way teams are run, both in basketball and every other sport, that is going to change. We've talked about it in basketball. And we're going to talk about it in baseball. But in between, I'm going to give you a little football sandwich. I'm a little annoyed right now at the nothing personal pick of the day. I'm annoyed because I'm 30 and 28. The Rays lost game six. It's embarrassing to be two games over 500. I can't get a game right. I can't even get a football game right. We got a big Thursday night game tonight. Today is Thursday, October 29th. It's the Atlanta Falcons against the McCaffrey-less Charlotte Panthers. I think I just said Charlotte when it's Carolina Coca. All right, just edit out Charlotte, please. The Falcons play the Panthers. The Falcons stink. The Panthers are without their best player. The Panthers are only favored by two and a half points. And my pick is the Panthers, which is why the nothing personal pick of the day is the Falcons plus two and a half. Just wait for it. Enjoy it. Watch the game. It's the only sports on tonight. Understand I'm going Falcons because I think the Panthers will cover. Okay. This show is going to end with a bit of an interesting topic that was given to me as a So You Want to Talk to Samson. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So You Want to Talk to Samson. That's from the movie Half-Baked. Now that it's the off-season in baseball and basketball, believe you me, there's plenty of people in the industry that are watching and participating in that very sport except generally they're at least 65% baked. Everybody there wants to talk to Samson. He's one of the great dealers of the movie. And I don't mean blackjack. 
Get into Instagram or Twitter at David P. Sampson and ask a question. It's David P. Sampson. If you're on that social media, press follow and then ask a question. If you've got a more general question, you can be a part of the end of month mailbag bonus pod, which I believe is going to come out tomorrow, Coca. That'll be the show tomorrow is the October mailbag pat mailbag bonus pod. There were some great questions when you guys, and I do appreciate it, do a five-star review and ask questions. But this one is a specific question under So You Want to Talk to Samson. David, comma. You don't really need to say David because it's my Twitter. It's my private DMs, which are public, so I know you're talking to me. Would love to hear you address Rob Manford's headline regarding the $8.3 billion debt the teams have now amassed. Is it possible this number is even remotely accurate? Losses had to be inevitable, but $8.3 billion? My assumption is the existing TV deals were rearranged for COVID, but wouldn't that money offset so they wouldn't accrue such a large deficit? Listening to you, we know that ratings don't move the needle, so what gives? Well, thank you for asking that question because let's explain it. Let's start with the general principle of what debt is. When you buy something that you can't afford, you borrow the money to buy it. Sometimes you pay it back immediately. Sometimes you pay the debt back within 30 days. Sometimes you pay the debt back within five years. Sometimes you pay it back within 30 years. Or sometimes you're a government and you don't pay it back at all. Everyone has debt. When you use your credit card, by definition, you have debt. Let's say you go to the store and you want to buy a bagel and a schmear or dinner or a quarter pounder with cheese or a Royale with cheese. You give the credit card, you get the burger, you eat the burger, but your bank account balance hasn't changed. The cash in your pocket hasn't changed. You owe money to somebody. Who is it? It's not McDonald's. McDonald's gets paid by the credit card company. You owe money to the credit card company. You've got debt. Now you can pay it back in 30 days or whenever your cycle's over, which can be 28 days, by the way. Sometimes it can be 25 days if it's not regulated. Or you can pay part of it back and then you've got what's called a debt balance. But the thing about debt balance is that it can have a really high interest rate. So instead of paying back the cost of one Royale with cheese, you end up paying back enough that you could have been supersize me and eaten a Royale with cheese every day. <coughs> Baseball, as with other industries, has debt on several levels. The first level is industry-wide debt. That is money that the league borrows and the collateral the league uses is the league TV deal, like the postseason TV deal. They borrow money 
and they make that money available to teams to borrow. That's called league-wide debt. Then there's another type of debt that is gotten by the individual team to borrow money to fund its operations or to fund a capital project if they're building a ballpark or if they're building an academy in the Dominican Republic or if they're making improvements to their stadium or if they just want to have a higher payroll but they don't want to write a check out of their checking account. Individual teams each have debt. They go to a bank, they borrow the money, they pay that back over four years, six years, 10 years. They end up refinancing it. That is called team debt. When Rob Manford said there's $8.3 billion of debt, that is the total amount of debt in the industry. That is not losses. Do not make the mistake of thinking that every time you take a dollar of debt in baseball, that debt goes to cover your losses. That is not the case. That debt goes to all sorts of different things from capital projects to paying other bills. They do not equate to losses. Secondly, is that number accurate? Yes, it is. Do the math. 8.3 billion. We're going to do it right now. That's going to be really quite a few numbers, isn't it? I don't think my calculator does 8.3 billion. Does yours, Coca? Maybe if I turn it around and backwards, it does it. I just don't know. 8.3. How many zeros is in a billion? Okay. There's definitely more than six. There's definitely more than seven. Ah, there we go. Eight. We're going to divide it by 30. And it's going to equal $275 million in debt per team. That is accurate. That is a very normal amount of debt for each team. I would argue the number is even higher for many teams. Losses were inevitable. Losses did happen, but not to that number. When you ask me whether or not the existing TV deals that were rearranged for COVID helped offset the deficit. They help offset the annual operating losses. They do not make up for the fact that there were no fans in the stands and they did not make up for the fact that players earned their full pro rata salaries. All 30 teams lost money. What Rob Manford should have said, instead of setting up, and this is all he was doing, by going out and telling you about the $8.3 billion of debt and talking to you about the EBITDA, which means that all teams and the industry lost a ton of money, they were doing that to set up the reality of what this offseason is going to be. The reality of players being non-tendered, the reality of payrolls being decreased, not increased, the reality of middle-class free agents not being signed, the reality of the best free agents maybe not getting the type of deals that they had gotten in the past, the reality that there is going to have to be another renegotiation even before this current collective bargaining agreement ends, which is in 2021. Rob Manford knew exactly what he was doing. What he was doing was setting up the first meeting with the union that will happen this offseason and telling the union what's going to happen with its players, which you're already starting to see with all the players whose options are going to be declined. Rob Manford will walk in that meeting and you know exactly what he's going to say. I'm really sorry about all your players who are free agents. Believe me, I am. But it's just business. It's nothing personal. 